Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast. I am your host, David Palermo, and today I'll be covering offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, getting the can, Rick Dennison. Very well documented all season long what the problems were. I'm not going to sit here and shred the guy, um, but I'll say you, you cannot come to the Bills and almost seemingly not put players in position to succeed. Um, Aaron Cromer had the Buffalo Bills offensive line playing incredible. And Aaron Cromer, you know where he's at right now, right? He is on the Los Angeles Rams. I forgot that the Rams hired him. And let's just put it this way. They had the top-ranked rush offense in both years for Cromer and Buffalo, right? So in 2016, the Bills rushed for 164.4 yards per game. And in 2015, 152 yards per game. So in 2016, the Bills had three players rush for 500 yards or more, which was LaShawn McCoy, 1,267 yards, Tyrod Taylor, 580, and Mike Gillisley, 577. That hadn't been done since 1962. So, we saw how well, through two coordinators, through Anthony Lynn and Greg Greg Roman, then Anthony Lynn, after Greg Roman was released, what, two games into the season for 2016, I was very impressed with how well the offensive line played. I mean, Jordan Mills, you know, he's was Cromer's guy from Chicago, and we've seen him play better than he did this year, um, but not by much. And I like him. You know, we saw third-round draft pick John Miller those two years play very effectively. Developing player. And let's make the point here. When you bring in a coach and a new GM, et cetera, et cetera, your biggest fear is losing the chemistry and your talent, your attachments to the players. And in a world where free agency reigns king, and that's great for the players, but for the fans, as as Jerry Seinfeld says, we're rooting for laundry. And, um, you know, the Bills somehow made the playoffs this year. And, again, we talked about it last podcast and the podcast before. It was more of an anomaly that the Bills haven't made the, the playoffs just by numbers than that they actually did. So, unfortunately, the fact that the Bills did not make the playoffs for 17 seasons, it was um, very well documented, every little tiny move. And it's weird when you watch Tom Brady overthrow somebody, you think nothing of it. Ah, well, things happen. When Tyrod Taylor does it, Ryan Fitzpatrick does it, oh, what are you talking about? And, you know, oh, they ain't going to win playoff football games. Blake Bortles just won a playoff football game. Let that sit with you for a bit, minute here. 
I know. And there's been how many consistent 4,000-yard passers who can't do any damage in the playoffs? Don't buy the hype. Yes, quarterback is very important. But you know what quarterback is good for? It's also good for the media to focus on and to take the pressure off the rest of the team, too. That's how I look at it. It's the most important position on the field, sure. You got to be the poster boy. Why? Because the NFL is conservative. Because that's just how it is. Oh, this guy's got to represent. Look, I don't expect no 23-year-old kid to be a role model <laughs> to my kids that I don't have, luckily. So, look, I think the expectations are unreal. So, let's backtrack here. Back to coach and GM. I was railing on Doug Marone a year and a half into his tenure, calling him Doug Moron, this and that, and I really shredded him for years. For years. And I always had Doug Whaley's back. But later on, little bits and pieces in interviews come out. And one thing was Nathaniel Hackett and Doug Marone thought that they were going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? So when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick and you have a first-round pick and the GM is talking to get a quarterback and you're looking to get this job, you think, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a journeyman. That's a good job for me and Nate Hackett to land in. We have a guy who can get us through. And we can groom a quarterback under him. And if anybody would be open to that, it would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. He understands. He was that guy behind Carson Palmer for a while before coming from St. Louis. So that's what they had in mind. I didn't know that when I was shutting Doug Marone. I have to admit that. I did not know that. And they get Kevin Cobb. He slips on a mat at training camp. No joke. Slips on a mat at training camp, whacks his face. Well, really is head, but it sounds funnier saying face. And he's out. And then we have E.J. Manuel at camp, and I swear to God, and I'm not religious at all. Grew up Roman Catholic, if you want to know. I'm a Sunday school dropout, though. I only did my communion. Didn't do my confirmation. I'm not going to go into detail. Anyways, so I swear to you, up and down. That Jeff Tool was throwing a way better ball at training camp than EJ Manuel was. Now, granted, Jeff Tool's in there with the threes and whatever the hell. Jeff Tool was throwing a way better ball than EJ Manuel. And it becomes apparent to me when organizations are very attached to their draft picks. And you have to be, you have to season them, it's equity. But how many times do the Steelers draft a guy in the first round and they sit him? Offense, defense. I should say defense specifically too. You know, they really sit him. And, you know, guys like Martavius Bryant, you want to act out of line? Okay. You know, it's just whatever. You know, it's just that's a good organization. They develop players. And... Look at Antonio Brown, late round draft pick, best receiver in the NFL because he can use his body, manipulation, he understands space, 
And, you know, it's just really the far, the smart football players because we're entering draft season. So, you know, Jeff Toole threw the ball with way more touch and accuracy than E.J. Manuel could dream of. But then Jeff Toole, unfortunately, barfed on himself like Peterman and threw a pick six for, like, 99 yards. That Steve Johnson was a whole controversy. He didn't fight for it or whatever. To, I don't know. I It was going to Steve Johnson. And the whole problem was that year was, you know, you had Kyle Orton a little bit, you know, and you're just not stable at the quarterback position. The biggest fear, again, let me reset even one degree again. The biggest fear of a coach and GM change is the fact that you lose good coaches, you lose good players, and you just look like slop. And the Bills, to their credit, beat a lot of AFC opponents. And they had a pretty good AFC East record. Swiping, beating out the Dolphins. One and one against the Jets. We all know it should have been two. But you split your division. Three and three. Not bad. You got those AFC wins. And, and Jeff Knight and I were having a bunch of talks. He's like, no, it's the AFC wins. And I go, no, man, it's the tiebreakers. He lost to San Diego. They're not going to. And lo and behold, two weeks later, he was right. I haven't told him that yet. So when he listens to this, you know, this is the only time you're going to hear it, Jeff. You're right. He won't listen to it, though. Oh, man, I got to get behind. Mm-hmm. I'll shoot me a text if he hears it in about three weeks. So, getting players shipped out when new coaches come in, that's a problem. At the same time, is it? Because I don't know the full details about what happened with Darius and Watkins behind the scenes. I don't know if they're good people or bad people. I think Darius and Watkins love the fans a lot. And we've had some stories on here, too, documenting that. And, um, you know, a lot of players for years have come to Buffalo and come and gone through 17 years of no playoffs. And the Bills finally make the playoffs. If you're going into the season last year, you're thinking Tyrod Taylor's a goner. A lot of people. I didn't think so. Because Tyrod Taylor was rehabbing at the facility every single day before McDermott got there. And when McDermott got there. And he made himself known to be there. And he works hard. So what I don't want to see happen is this next offensive coordinator not grooming a quarterback under Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, call me crazy. Call me absolutely nuts. So, what does Tyrod Taylor offer you? A smart man. He watches tape all the time. His work ethic is incredible, impeccable, and look how thick he got lifting. He's been always working out. And he's not a small dude. And I almost ended his career in the tunnel at training camp this year when he was running behind me. I didn't even see him. 
And here he goes running. And it's like, wow. Kind of wish Tom Brady was out there. Maybe throw some ice, you know? Oh, shoot, Tommy, boy. Should have been wearing your helmet. <laughs> Anyways, so it's he's a, a special individual. And we've seen Tyrod Taylor play better than he has. Um, and as a coach, you have to come into a, an organization where Tyrod Taylor, I believe, gets $18 million next year. If you cut him, I think, after June 1st or something like that, you save a bunch of money. I will get those cap details down with Kevin Missouri. Um, but my point is here is we know what we had in Tyrod Taylor as Bills fans. Like, you know exactly what you got. And... You know, some guys, they'll say, oh, it's not Madden. It's not Madden. It's not Madden. Yeah, it might not be Madden that us fans play. And I'm kind of sick of getting shredded for that. Like, people can laugh all you want. But I would bet you a Madden player is better in situational football because a Madden player understands mismatches, and that's what football is based off of. We have LaShawn McCoy. The Buffalo Bills have LaShawn McCoy. If you count the receptions, arguably a Hall of Fame back with years on the tires because Thurman Thomas, at the end of his career, said he was learning how to not get hit so hard, right? And add some years to his career by going down. LaShawn McCoy's always done that. But statistically... Charles Clay, his stats went down this year. He only had 49 receptions. I mean, he only played 13 games, okay? And he played 15 the year prior, but he had 57 receptions the year prior. The year prior to that, 51 on 13 games. So, comparable. But Charles Clay, we've always been like, man, let's utilize him. Well, he was utilized a lot this year. And I thought he was pretty noticeable. And he only ends up with 49 receptions. It's kind of... But he had his highest average, which is 11.4 yards. And and that was expected. We expected with Rick Dennison to come in to be a very uh, toy line-orientated kind of guy. Like big bodies. You know, I like that. Um, and throughout the year, we're wondering, can Tyrod Taylor throw over the middle? He's going to have to in this offense. And to Tyrod's credit, he did. So if you have a guy in Tyrod who you already have, can you maybe, I think the Bills, call me nuts, if if Tolbert is a McDermott guy and came from Carolina to be a guy, then I think Tyrod Taylor is a way more effective guy than Tolbert, and Tyrod Taylor will do what is asked of him. That said, we know his flaws. That also said, we saw this team put up a lot of points, a lot of points in previous years. And this past year, the Bills ranked 29th in average yards per game with 302.6. Um, 24th in offensive points scored, which is 17.6 points. And um, the Bills lost 10-3 to in a playoff game to the Jaguars, who have an outstanding defense. But as we talked last podcast, all the problems came to a head. And at one time. Um, 
so Tyrod Taylor declined. He had his worst year. Okay, so to give you an idea, in fifteen sixteen, so in two thousand fifteen, uh, Tyrod Taylor only threw the ball three hundred eighty times, but he had twenty touchdowns. Right, that's on fourteen games. Ninety-nine point four quarterback rating, according to NFL.com. All right, he had forty-five balls completions of twenty plus yards, eleven of forty plus yards. The following year in two thousand sixteen, thirty-three twenty plus, seven forty plus, and he played fifteen games. And this year he played fifteen games. Um, he played more. Uh, so. 36 20 plus completions to 44 40 plus yard completions. And he was sacked the most this year, 46 times. Last year he was sacked 42. And uh, he has his lowest quarterback rating of 89.2. So, And he threw the ball 420 times. Completion percentage, high, second highest was this year. Um, under 3,000 yards. First time he's been a starter, he's thrown for under 3,000 yards. So he has the lowest average, the lowest average per games. Only 14 passing touchdowns this year. Well, last season he had six rushing touchdowns, 17 passing touchdowns. He just seemed more effective. And at the same time, our whole knock was Tyrod can't throw over the middle. So we've seen him make. All kinds of throws over three years. You could do a lot worse than Tyrod Taylor. And I would honestly say that if it's a game of mismatches and Tyrod Taylor is used correctly, he is a mismatch. You couple that with LaShawn McCoy, there is a mismatch. Maybe retain Joe Webb. Very smart football player. He's a fun football player to watch. He does everything. He is a hammer on special teams. Another smart football player. Keep him around. I don't think Nate Hackett has any use in Buffalo. Um, you know, maybe the next staff can evaluate him, but I think it's con- I think he needs a fresh start where he could be buried on the depth chart, not even sniff a backup job for a couple of years. Again, if Tolbert was brought in to be a McDermott guy, there's no way Tyrod Taylor is not a McDermott guy. In fact... I said last podcast that seemed like McDermott and Brandon Bean like Tyrod. Brandon Bean seemed to like Tyrod. That said, you don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You can call them and you still save a bunch of money, but you don't save as much as you think. You're still going to have a dead hit, uh, a dead cap hit, I believe, of $7 million. So. What I'm looking for in the offensive coordinator here, 20 minutes in, i got a few minutes here, um, is for namesake, it doesn't matter. Right now, it doesn't matter. Do I like some names like Thoreau Bible? Yeah, sure. You know, Seattle, cool. But Seattle's never had a good offensive line, really. 
Russell Wilson is like a superior athlete. He is Tyrod Taylor, but gets rid of that ball, and he's supremely accurate and always has been very accurate. The only knock on Russell Wilson was two inches of height. So, we've seen these guys like Kevin Cobb come in as journeyman and just puke all over themselves or just not even get the opportunity. You know, he's the next best thing. Couldn't wait to bench McNabb to bring in Kevin Cobb. Man, he's great. And, you know, McNabb did suck on the Vikings and the Redskins, so there's that. Um, I just think the locker room was behind Tyrod Taylor. I think the team supports Tyrod Taylor, and you keep Tyrod Taylor. If, you're keeping, if you kept Tolbert and you brought in Tolbert to be there for the locker room, set the culture, well, just imagine if the team could just put up 15 points in a few games. They could win them. You know, if you're if you're in a playoff game, you got to give something. You want Blake Bortles to put that ball up in the air, right? Well, you have everybody covered. You're stopping the run. He's running with the ball. If your offense can put up a touchdown, one touchdown after those three points, just one, you tie the game. You tie the game. And your defense is giving Bortles all the time to run. That's great. Because then there's a thing that runs out called the clock. And Bills fans all know Bill Belichick's game plan when he was a Giants defensive coordinator. Let Thurman Thomas run all he wants. Let him run all he wants. And if you watch Bill Belichick, how he coaches, you better get up early on him in the first half and retain it. Because it's like for me as an Orioles fan, I grew up watching the Yankees just come back. Ninth inning all the time in the 90s. And I just hated life. And I was a Chicago Bulls fan, so I was spoiled with Jordan. And it just, that's what the Patriots kind of do. You can't count them out. And it's weird. You think Tom Brady's going to die, and he's not. Um, there is allegedly, quote unquote, allegedly trouble in paradise over there. And Patriots land, which I'll get into eventually one podcast um but it's it's a game against the clock too and if Bortles is getting into crunch time that ball is going to go up in the air to one of the best secondaries I would argue in the NFL two of the best safety probably one of the best safety tandems in the NFL you could have top five Jordan Porter with uh, AFC player of the month believe that was player of the month. Was it player of the month? Maybe defensive player of the month? I don't know. Something, something, something pretty big. Okay? Go look it up for yourself. Because I'm not. And I think, you know, the Bills could have won the game. And I think the Bills matching up against the Patriots beat a team three times in a row. Okay. Let's see it happen. The Bills have never faced the Patriots in the playoffs. That would have been huge. That said, this offensive coaching staff... Watched Nate Peterman and decided he can execute the offense more than Tyrod Taylor. And I would just like some offensive coordinator to come in and they're going to give him the options. What do you want? Do I think it's fit the quarterback to whatever? No, the, the Bills have so many options for quarterbacks this year. It's not even funny. Sam Bradford, possibly Teddy Bridgewater, but I think he's staying with Minnesota. Um, 
you know, you got Case Keenum. Like, I just, there's guys. You got two first-round draft picks. There's some people at the top of the draft you could probably get out with. You could also probably ship a player or something. And you also got some second-round picks and third-round picks. So why not couple them up there and get that quote-unquote guy you want? I don't think the Bills should do that. I'll get into the draft later. Um, I don't think the Bills should get Alex Smith. They're swapping out mediocre with mediocre for Tyrod. And Tyrod, in fact, I think offers a better a better fit anyways. And people who want Alex Smith, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. I would take Kirk Cousins. At the same time, we don't know what this offensive line is going to be about. So every time we hear, hey, guys, you know, second year in the system, you know, just getting this going in the trenches. And, uh, you know, it's just going to come together. And, you know, just got to work at it. Look, Aaron Cromer had this offensive line playing fine. Okay, you know who the Bills I want them to hire? Um, what was it? Joe, he was here before. Joe D. Alessandros, was that it? Joe D. Alessandros. Let's Google that. I won't Google a fact about the Patriots or something. Okay. I think I spelled it wrong because I'm getting a different guy. Maybe I should type in football. But um, I forgot the coach that was out there. And um, he was with the Bills with Chan Gailey. And the Bills loved him. That, like, again, I know I have an, a, a real fetish with Chan Gailey. Not in a creepy way, but just like I, I really liked what he did with the offense. And the thing, you know, the game starts in the trenches. And to me, uh, the most important thing to me is uh, is making sure that the players are put in the best succe- uh, position to succeed. And we saw an offensive line play well together for two se- two seasons. Two seasons. And you get a new offensive line coach in here, a new scheme, and a new coordinator. I want to see a Daryl Bevel has uh, coordinators or coaches he's worked with or can get that can get this offensive line to play primarily right now power football. That's what they do well. That's what you play in Buffalo. You dictate in Buffalo. You lay the hammer in Buffalo. That's what you do. Instead, you want to get your players thinking too much and then running into the quarterback. And then the quarterback's thinking too much and not running when he usually does for a first down. And after a while, your players aren't stupid. Sort of my Madden point that I had earlier, a little callback here. Mismatches are glaring in Madden. Glaring. And I'm not even saying the gameplay. You at least get to see who's trotted out there. And when you, you know, when you trickle that in and just pay attention to numbers, et cetera, et cetera, it, it's, you know, the linebackers have numbers. That correspond with being a linebacker, same with secondary and, and defensive line, right? So, find who's covering who. Also, why safeties have gotten a little bigger. Um, so, to cover these tight ends. But you're an offensive coordinator. That means you're on the offensive, right? We've seen the Bills throw screens and read option. There's a whole gang of tape out there for how well... Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn McCoy, Richie Incognito, Eric Wood, John Miller, Jordan Mills, Cordy Glenn can play football. Incognito can play football. There's a whole bunch of tape. 
Charles Clay takes a lot of pride in blocking. Nick O'Leary is a free agent. He might get some decent money out there. You never know. Um, but I know he's buddies with Kyle Williams. Pretty sure. Saw him and Kyle at the little Thurman Thomas family event charity thing together. So you got to figure they're friends, right? And, uh, you know, Thurman Thomas was saying on the John Murphy show he was hanging out uh, with uh, Jack Nicholas, And so that's pretty cool. Golfer guy, football guy hanging out. Nephew's on the team. You know, but the coordinator has options. You got Calvin Benjamin. You got two first-round picks. I mean, the world is yours. And the one thing I don't want the Bills to do is to draft a guy and, and immediately start him. Because Jeff Fisher makes the case for me right here of how, like, overrated old coaches are and how it's really just a boys I shouldn't even be sexist about it. Just a club. Just a little exclusive club. And Sean McVay out there with the Rams, Aaron Cromer now with the Rams. I mean, you got Wade Phillips, one of the coolest dudes, coaches, it sounds like, ever, that just really gets it. Like, my grandmother's 89, and she doesn't want to hang out with old people. That's how I get the vibe from Wade Phillips. And he could really get what he wants out of the players. And time and time again, Wade Phillips comes into a team and gets them a very high-ranked defense year one. And imagine if the whole Flutie debacle didn't go down. I think Wade Phillips still could be the Bills coach. And people might think I'm crazy for that. Well, he got fired in Dallas, too. Man, I don't buy that. I don't buy that those teams were any worse than what Jason Garrett had to deal with for three, four years after. I mean, until Dak Prescott, Tony Romo was constantly getting hurt. Like, what are you supposed to do? So, yeah, I think Wade Phillips is a genius. But what do those guys clearly do? Jared Goff, we had the guy Kevin Elliott on, the comedian from Punch Drunk Sports. He has a podcast as well. And he was saying, um, you know, Todd Gurley sucks. The offensive line blows. Um, Jared Goff, holy shit. Meanwhile, Robert Woods is like a premier receiver, which, well, all you got to do is throw to him. He'll produce if you throw to him. He's a great downfield blocker. You know what the Bills like this year? Wide receivers who can get separation and know how to block downfield. And it seems like every time Shady would bust out, there's a flag. There's some stupid flag for some unnecessary hold, and it all comes down to coaching and techniques. Every single player on the Bills had a worse season offensively that was on the team prior. And we have Patrick DeMarco, who pretty much fell on himself this year. Like, I didn't notice him. A lot of money for a fullback. He ain't a bad player. He's actually a premier fullback in the league. He's a very good football player. I'm going to give Patrick DeMarco a pass. I want to see more of him, actually. I want to see him maybe spread out the formation and, and, and hang out a little bit like an extra tight end. You know, why not? Maybe set up that nice screen, get some blocking downfield. No, the Bills don't do that. They don't do that. You have LaShawn McCoy who could shake anybody. Getting him into a one-on-one situation. What did Chan Gailey always preach to us when he was teaching us about football at his press conferences? Okay, he goes, get the ball to the player in space. Give it to C.J. Spiller in space and watch a move. I was losing my mind when Doug Marone or Hackett said a year and a half in the season, oh, yeah, it's the offense is working well with Spiller because we decided to put on some of the old tape. It's like, hey, morons, put on the old tape first. So here we are. 
Time for a new offensive coordinator. I'm pretty pumped up. I'm pretty stoked. I am a Tyrod supporter. I think you groom a guy underneath Tyrod Taylor. If that guy happens to look better than him and really does look better than him, and he's got the mojo, he's got the confidence, throw him in there. At the same time, do you? Because I think it was great that the Bills threw Peterman in and they made the playoffs. Incredible that they did that. Tyrod's revenge, okay? Tyrod's revenge. That's a really an inside joke to Jeff Knight, so I'll just leave it there with uh, 32 minutes in. But new offensive coordinator. Let's get this offensive line playing well. I think you talk with the players, your coach, talk with them. What do you guys like to do? They already know what they like to do. And I like that McDermott. Okay, I got to give for a minute. Sean McDermott, I've taken a lot of, I've questioned you a lot, sir. And I mean that as in you talk about your notebook, you love your notebook. I want to see the answers. I love this notebook thing. It's the best thing I can ever talk about because I got my notebooks. I have like eight notebooks. I'm not kidding. I went to Staples and I bought a goddamn brick a notebooks and I have a notebook for everything. Take apart my Honda CRV notebook. Want to part out a dumb three wheeler ATC 90 that my friend was throwing in the garbage without wheels. Cause I pretend I'm going to eBay the parts one day. Got a notebook for that. Writing some songs. Got a notebook for that. No bills fan podcast. Got a notebook for that. I mean, want to tell you what else I have notebooks for I'm trying to get into spreadsheets now. Okay. So, look, McD, I love you, fam. And, honestly, I have a lot of respect for you right now. I have, and all these Bills fans right now, give it up to Sean McDermott for putting his money where his mouth is and preaching accountability and 1-11th and and all this mojo and doing the job and relieving Rick Dennison of his duties. And it's not a shot at Denison. It's not a shot at the families that are tied to this. But frankly, it wasn't good enough. The shelf life of a player is almost 10% of a coach at the NFL level. So for me, a coach in the NFL could coach for 30 years. A player is around for three years. And all it takes is a couple times of bad coaching and the player's lost because the game has changed or you can't hold on to that many guys. And you have all these people in the world who have banged their heads around for the sport. And they've sacrificed with their families and traveled and scratched and fought to play football. Yes, they get paid a very good amount of money. But as you can see with OJ showing back up into Jacksonville, CTE is a real fucking thing. And it really comes down to, I think, protecting the players. They have families, too. You got guys like Richie Incognito. He's 34 years old. You got Eric Wood. I believe he's over 30 as well. It might be 32, 33, actually. Um You know, you got Cordy Glenn. That's another great option. Don't forget about Cordy Glenn. Could the Bills trade him, do whatever? Sure, but he's just injured. I don't understand what the big deal is with people worried about Cordy Glenn. He is just injured. Get him to re-sign, restructure his contract. He's played out of his mind. He's been paid injured. Just 
Same with Tyrod. You could probably sign him for a couple more years, extend him out for two more years, give him a three-year contract. Give him the support he needs. Can we put players around him offensively? Could Sammy Watkins come back? That's something else I want to get into. Could Sammy Watkins come back? He had great chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. That's all I got for today. Um, Next podcast, I'm going to get into some options of who they could pick up. I want to start in the trenches. I want to see them utilize Tyrod, which is a turnkey quarterback. But if there's a guy in the market that you can bring in that can start day one to do the job and run everything, I'm open-minded to whatever. I love Tyrod Taylor, but I'm not married to it. This is the time for the Bills to sell us. What are we doing this season? How are we going to do it? And I love it. I do actually love coaching changes, but not for the negative reasons. More because I can't wait to see what coaches they bring on board. And we can use a a new coach across the board. I don't need to go into detail again on, on how bad the players were coached offensively. So, again, give Sean McDermott credit for doing it. A lot of guys will come back. Oh, no, we got to get into it. Uh, come on. Let's go. Also, Brandon Bean, I really like how you speak. Doug Whaley got a lot of shit. You speak well. I believe you. And I'll make a, a video called uh, Bean Don't Lie. Okay. And if people don't know what that is, I, I made a video with uh, Adam Deacon saying Doug Don't Lie. And uh, it was something about something. So, all right. That's been it. And uh, if you don't know, get on to Punch Drunk Sports dot com and uh check out their podcast punch drunk sports so i'm your host david palermo and uh subscribe as always on itunes overcast radio stitcher anywhere you find your podcast google play and numbillsfan.com and uh we have some website upgrades and some big announcements coming soon so everyone keep it real and also behalf of grandstand sports network check them out follow their podcast along so take care